Genre. Hello and welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we review, analyze, and celebrate Back to the Future Part 3, one game plan changing minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. I'm Scott Corelli and joining us once again, Hal Lublin, welcome. Great Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Great impression, guys. Hold your applause, hold your applause. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. Everyone everyone listening in their cars like pulled over just to, yeah. <laughs> just to applaud with both their hands safely. Oh, thank goodness. I'm glad that your listeners are safe drivers. It's really important for keeping a listener yeah. base growing and strong. Well, well this trilogy isn't about anything if not safe driving. <laughs> it's true. I have to say something. Uh so sure, I've been course. on uh Star Wars minute and I've mm-hmm. been on Indiana Jones minute. So this is my third minute podcast on which I have guested. Which, which mm-hmm. is awesome. This is the first time that I've had a stretch of five minutes where a lot of really important plot stuff happens. Oh. It's very exciting. Oh, it's cool. Exci- I mean, you know, I'll take any minutes I can get. I'm not, I'm not choosy, but it's cool that things actually happen and develop over the course of these yeah. uh, minutes that, that I have talked about and will continue to talk about throughout the week. Scott and I have been incredibly spoiled whenever we've guested on other people's shows. In terms yeah. of like, like when we when we did Wrath of Comet, it we got the scene where Spock died. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> like, on the lottery. Yeah, yeah. So we got to be the ones to talk about that with the host. It was really weird. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, um and yeah, today we're going back to minute number eighty-two, which uh, begins with Seamus uh, hanging a hat, doing some foreshadowing. And mm-hmm. uh, ends with Marty trying to reschedule a gunfight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, I, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the uh, negative things about watching a movie, you know, 30 years after the fact is, you know, some stuff is kind of just through, you know, you know, I, I kind of know that that Seamus isn't going to, to, to die in this movie, you know, mm-hmm. But is is that what they were kind of leading at with this line? Was that supposed to be to get the audience kind of like what Joss Whedon was doing with Hawkeye in that in that second Avengers movie? Uh, I I think I mean at least, at least the way that I read. I mean that's possible, but the way I read it uh, was that it was just a cheesy joke about like okay, so he's showing up because he knows the shootout's going to happen. So he says, uh, you know, it's as if my future had something to do with him being here. You know, it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a not so subtle. Uh, uh, about Marty. About, about how, uh, yeah, about Marty being, like, literally being like okay. his ancestor or whatever. Of course. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's way more, that makes way more sense than what I was thinking. Well, yeah. and it's, again, it's the, this is, the films become a copy of a copy Mm-hmm. As by the time you get to the third one, so what becomes kissing you is like kissing my brother in Back to the Future becomes like the most on the nose. Like I thought maybe that my future <laughs> depended on this, and I've got a funny hat, and I'm your Jiminy Cricket. 
Right. That's what he is. He's the he's the conscience of Yeah. Yeah, he 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 even he even gives Marty like a a, a paternal fatherly like you'll do the right thing like nod <laughs> at at the at the bar. Yeah. Right? Uh man, someday he's going to teach his son how to like box and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> here's what here's what you're doing when a, when, a, when a lot of school keeps giving you to what what <laughs> now when it comes to fisticuffs here's how you leave a man bleeding and dying in the street but no guns no we're a gunless family now have a bullet infested rabbit for dinner <laughs> cut to shame is like nailing a rabbit onto like a wall downtown in Hill Valley this is my territory now <laughs> I'm the 4th street rabbits are here <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I really love Seamus. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's it's a ridiculous character, but I really do love him. Yeah, he's a he's a man of dignity. Yeah, I love <laughs> the image of of him like old timey boxing with his like fists like way out in front of him. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that that could be a shirt. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he's prancing. If you took a still photo of him, right. yeah. he's about to knock your teeth out. <laughs> Oh, I love In it. fact, that's why he wears that hat. He wants people to pick a fight with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Go that on. he can beat them up. Say something. <laughs> Please. Oh, you have any opinions on my hat? <laughs> Look, you know I put what? a flower for- in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? For for uh, a sequel that, I, I mean, <clears throat> granted, this one is a little more subtle than the second one. Um, but for, for sequels that are largely unsubtle. Uh, I am shocked, amazed, and a little proud that Seamus isn't a drunk. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. he's Irish. So you would think that that's exactly what they would do because they would think that was funny. And, you know, they don't tend to like a- any sort of whim that they have. They seem to just sort of go for it. Yeah. Yeah. You can uh, kind of tell that the... the, the the filmmakers had a lot of, I think, yeah, they kind of, they, they give the McFlies, like the, the first generation McFlies, a lot of like warmth and humanity. And I think it says a lot about mm-hmm. maybe their perspective of what it, you know, what their journey meant for them, you know, or for mm-hmm. the filmmakers, like their ancestors. Right. It's, they, yeah, they've sure. got a uh, dignity. <laughs> dignity. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the most dignity of anybody in the whole town. Yeah, I would say so. Maybe because they for live sure. outside of it. Right. Yeah, they uh, live outside. Or do they live in the area that would later become Lion Estates? Is I that think that's yeah, because they say all of this is farmland as far as the eye can see. Um, I, I I think that was uh, I, I think they're on one of those pieces of farmland. I'm fairly yeah. certain, right? Because it was yeah. it was like what half a day's ride from from where the the McFlys live to Hill Valley. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like, uh, like, yeah, like I'd say maybe half a day, uh, walking on the railroad tracks into town. Something oh, like that's that. true. He, he walked there. So yeah. it couldn't have been that far. Right. But far and, enough. Yeah. Far, far enough. enough on foot. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so we see the, uh, the, all, the near completion of the, uh, the tombstone prophecy. 
Well, well, first of all, uh, Mad Dog and his posse show back up, and they're early. Um, they're they're early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not eight o'clock yet. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on your watch. There's no real standardized time, I guess, at that point because they don't have the clock tower up yet. That's true. Well, they do. They've started it though. They 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 started the clock during the uh, festival at the beginning they're, of the festival. Yeah. They're, Hill right. Valley's doing what you do when you move into a new apartment and you just let your like clock sit on the floor for like the first month. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right. Wait, do you? Or, or, or you know, is that a common the, moving thing? Like, I don't oh, know, you know, or, or, or just like, <laughs> or just those little those little things you you make yourself be okay with. Or like, yeah, it's fine that all of my underwear is in this box instead of a drawer. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I will say hanging things tends to be like the last thing I do when I move into a place. Oh, so. see, I'm a big see, I I hang my clothes and lay them out in my car. And that's the first thing I do. I don't I don't fold oh, my clothes when I move. Not my not my clothes. I'm talking about like wall decorations. Like, oh, oh you mean like all, all of your. Yeah, all of your. Clothes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I've lived uh, my wife and I've lived in this place for. Over three years. Oh, we, congrats. We still have. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Congratulations <laughs> on not being homeless. Yeah. Uh, but we we still have stuff that we haven't hung yet. And some of it is we don't know if we want to hang this and other things are where are we going to put it. And we, we've rearranged a lot of furniture. But uh, my mother, when when we would move when I was a child, which we did twice, like we would not go to sleep and until everything was put away and all the paintings were hung. Uh, like she's yeah, way into that. Like the house is done. Now let's go to sleep. And yeah, we'll that's what you got to do. That, 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 that's mm-hmm. what you got to do sometimes because it's like if we don't get it done now, we never will. Yes. Mm-hmm. If not so now, maybe, when? So maybe Marty. So Marty's kind of making a, a mistake, I think, trying to reschedule this gunfight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though you know you're going to die. What? I, don't put it off. Yeah. Yeah. Just. You know, go die like a man. Just go die like a man. <laughs> it's interesting to see him actually. This is like one of the first times where he seems legitimately afraid. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, it's like it, the biggest. I, I think the biggest indignity of it, though, is that he he has photographic proof that he's going to die. And also that no one will know because he didn't tell anyone his real name. <laughs> Clint yeah, Eastwood. right. <laughs> he's just gonna be a he's just gonna be a weird meme that makes people believe in time travel in the future. <laughs> right? Did you know there's like a headstone in California that says Clint Eastwood? <laughs> An Eastwood secretary was named Kennedy. The Kennedy secretary was named Eastwood. <laughs> he's gonna be, he's gonna be like that woman in the at the Charlie Chaplin premiere holding an iPhone. Right. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it is, but it, but there is something to him being okay. Like this film is all about him being okay, being afraid and also not buying into the, not allowing people to go to him just by calling him chicken. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. like being afraid is a terrible thing. Like it doesn't, what what does it matter if you're afraid? So this is his like first and maybe his only experience with true fear. Like he didn't want to get beat up in back to the future one. And he, he was more angry than scared in back to the future too. Mm-hmm. But in this, like he's always distressed, but in this one, he's in this moment, 
He's legitimately afraid. Like he is a, a a chicken, I guess. Is it is it chicken to be afraid of your own impending mortality? Well, I think I think the difference uh, is that like okay, so you're right. Like all those other times, it's more of just like hey, don't call me names. And a listener on the website pointed out we we've been talking about how Marty is generally a very prideful guy. He was a prideful guy in the first movie. He was sort of uh, ashamed of his dad and and wanted a truck and couldn't have one and didn't feel like a real man and was too afraid to like send in his demo tape because he couldn't even get it the pinheads the the gig at the the school dance right and uh so he's sort of always been a prideful guy and this is just sort of amping that up to 11 um but a uh one of our listeners pointed out that it might not just be that he's prideful. It's also that he's afraid of being his father in the original timeline, who was just the biggest chicken you'd ever meet. And yes, right. So, yeah. So I think that's part of it too, is that he doesn't want to be like alpha George. Uh, he wants to be, wants to be like how he sees himself, <clears throat> which is Clint Eastwood. Um, but then in this particular instance, uh, they, they were talking, he was talking with Seamus and Maggie at the festival and they said, like, we, we had a, you know, we had a brother that uh, we, uh, <laughs> Seamus had a brother, um, <laughs> oh, no. Maggie had a brother-in-law, uh, Seamus <laughs> had a brother, Martin McFly, who died because someone called him chicken and he got in a gunfight and was killed and he said, like, they, they said, you know, he got into fights like that all the time because people were calling him chicken. And, like, who cares if somebody calls you chicken? Like, whatever. You got to think about your free future. Like, it doesn't matter that these people you're never going to see again think that you're chicken. And so they had already planted that seed in his head. And then here, in this particular instance, every other time someone's called him a chicken or a coward or whatever – he doesn't know what the outcome is, but in this instance, he does know what the outcome is going to be if he falls for it. Yeah. Well, because yeah. He, he has photographic proof like, oh, like I, th I'm actually going to die if I if I do my same shtick. Right. And, and ultimately what all that if you take an even longer view and step out at another level, what he's mm -hmm. really afraid of is failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that says he doesn't want to be rejected. The reason why he doesn't submit a tape is what you know. What if they tell me I'm no good? I don't think I can take that kind of rejection. Mm -hmm. And then he right. discovers that that's a trap his father fell into with science fiction writing. So when when they change the timeline and he's a successful writer because he's eliminated that doubt, that we still have the Marty McFly from the original timeline. It's not right. like seeing your dad successful. You go like, oh well, I guess all that mental scarring I have is gone now. So. Right. He, you know, that that unknown is what scares him because he assumes the worst. He never he never assumes the best at any point. He always assumes yeah. things are are going to fail. So now, like you said, he has proof. So he's got real fear yeah. and and for the first time, actual stakes. So he knows what's behind door number two. Mm -hmm. And, like you know. That yeah, that and it, sort of jogs him into the place where he needs to be because the stakes are are couldn't be higher, right? And, and it, oh, go it, ahead, Nick. It, it, it's it's my yeah. It's like it it's so it's mind blowing to me how how simple it is because we've been talking about this in season one of the show. Marty is just deeply 
like as existentially afraid of becoming George. Mm-hmm. And he's like, right. if if I if I even give anyone an inch or let one person like like you know step on me once, I'm gonna become like my dad and I can't let that happen because holy shit. Right. Right. And yeah, that's uh, that yeah, I, I that's really, really cool. And then to see this, like, oh wow, like I I know what's going to happen. Like the thing I'm the thing I'm mo- the worst case scenario, I'm looking right at it. It's in my literally in my hands. So like what do I do now? Right. right. And what's great about it is that um what's great about this moment and him learning his lesson this way is that later when we get the 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 race with with needles um Jennifer knows the outcome of that race. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. And right, so he does a part two. Right. And so he makes the choice not to not to, you know, let himself be goaded into this this race on his own without knowing the future because of this event here. Uh, and so like, I, I don't know. I just, I like, yeah, I like it, all of that. I, I like how you can see this seems, this seems unconnected and it probably is, but one of the, one of the rare uh, things I didn't like about Dr. Strange that is, there's this movie, there's a scene where Dr. Strange is in the mountains and he's trying to, activate his sling ring so he can go through it and like and it's like oh well because you'll freeze to death this will be the motivation you need to finally do this thing uh-huh. and then it cuts to like you know Tilda Swinton and we see him go through and we see that he did it he goes to the portal yay achievement unlocked but I was like well it's it it's it I, I was disappointed immediately when, when I the first time I saw it was uh I was disappointed that the, you didn't see the thing that he did differently right you didn't see the yes. lesson he learned that made him like, oh, I, I just have to do this to my brain or I just have to do this. Right. And they took a they took a narrative shortcut. Yeah. And it was a little bit of a because everything else was so well thought out. I was a little bit disappointed by that moment. And mm-hmm. I like how here in Back to the Future, uh, you can kind of you can see the change happening to your main character, which is always really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. He, he finally learns to stand up for himself. Because mm-hmm. in every other film, you know, I mean, ostensibly the moment that changes George's life is is when he punches out Biff. He mm-hmm. finally gets angry enough to do something about it, which isn't about him. It's about it's about Lorraine. Yeah, and even right. later on, when he pushes over the redheaded guy at the dance who cut in on him, like you're, you're sort of led to believe in that film. You have to stand up for yourself physically, and then that will help you stand up for yourself mentally. But I think in this film, you learn that to stand up for yourself means going, well, I don't care what you think. It's not, I'm going to go fight you because that's the way to maintain a reputation. It's that real strength comes from within and yeah, not right. what anybody else believes about you. You know, I've been wondering why uh, we're, we're really, uh, one of the cool things about our podcast is we, we have a, we have a, a pretty big like female uh, uh, listenership. And as I've noticed back to the future, more so than a lot of, you know, male nerd nostalgia properties has a very like heavy, earnest, like female fan base. And I've kind of in the back of my mind, sometimes I'll like toss that around like a ball of yarn. Like, I wonder why that is. I wonder what like sociological reason that. And it's kind of cool that at the end of this trilogy, we have a protagonist that's learned 
about kind of the, the, the bullshit that a lot of what kind of masculinity can be for you. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's him kind of rejecting that kind of toxic, like, Oh, if I'm famous, if I'm rich, if I can beat up people and if everyone's afraid of me, then I'll be a, a man. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where he is in part one. Like, Oh, I need the truck. I need the girlfriend. I need my dad sucks because he's afraid of everything. And we have, part, and the character we're going to see as the weeks go on is a guy kind of, Oh, that doesn't really hold water to me anymore. Like, I don't really need those flags to like call myself like a, like a good man or a good person. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, once he fixes his past, his future's doomed because the only thing that doesn't change is him. Oh, yeah. So he, all he gets are these material things. He gets a truck. Uh, he's already in a relationship with Jennifer. Now his father is successful. Yeah, his Somehow mom lost weight, which yeah, he's happy about. Weight. They, still, they still live in the same house for some reason, even though he's a <laughs> yeah. really successful author. Right. Well, but, it's his first book. It's his first book. That's true. So. It's only his first book. We, we know it's going to be a big smash. But, yeah, he, he's just yeah. living that high, that super comfortable, secure life that all first-time novelists have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but his, he, you know, his, his not changing is the reason why he's doomed to repeat the past, even if even as he goes back and changes it. So now oh. the future gets worse. It's so, like mm -hmm. the, the problem with part one is he hasn't earned his own happy ending yet. Yes. Right. Well, and that's that's one of the biggest flaws. Like I would argue the only flaw with the first film is that Marty doesn't he has like a narrative journey, but he he doesn't have an arc, really. He his arc is like you know, only just started in the first movie, which is why I think that the sequels hold as much water as they do in like the back to the future fandom yeah. is because it allows you to have a complete story for Marty. Cause like, you know, doc has a little mini arc of like, I, you know, you can't tell me anything about the future. And then ah, I figured what the hell, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a small arc, but it's still an arc. Um, and, and obviously George and Lorraine have an arc. Well, George does. Yeah. Um, but you know, Marty, he kind of starts the movie as the same guy as he is at the end. He doesn't really learn anything. Um, but then you get to the end of the trilogy and he has, and I think that that's, I think that's really, uh, I, I think it's a good reason to make these sequels is to give Marty uh, a full character arc that he didn't have in the first movie. Yeah. The, the first movie is about his dad. The second right. movie is about Biff and the third movie is about him. Mm hmm. Him and Doc. Yes. And Doc. Right. Yeah. It is kind of cool how I guess when compared to other movies of other franchises of this era, like the Star Trek movies and the Rocky movies. Uh, it, 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 these sequels kind of do hold, uh, a better, you know, we, we do tend to remember them more fondly in like the pop culture landscape. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so I, uh, I mean, I think that's all I have for this minute. I, the only thing I want to, I just want to say is I just, I, there's something about, someone shouting, listen, I'm not really feeling up to this today <laughs> that I find really funny. Yeah. It, it's such a weird thing to shout out of a building. It's such a weird thing to shout out in 1885. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's no way that was a phrase at that point. <laughs> <Not really>. No. 
Like everybody, there wasn't like a hold on up to this. What does that mean? (laughs) Right. Well, the very next thing that he says, I think in the next minute is, is the thing that steals the thunder from that line for everyone. But right. Um, but, uh, we'll get to that tomorrow. Um, in the meantime, uh, how, where can people find you? Just follow me on Twitter guys at how Lovelin. you can, uh, you can get Venture Brothers season six on DVD right now. That's pretty cool. Oh, it is nice. very cool. Yeah, and I mean yeah. that. And you can watch uh, Mighty Magiswords on the Cartoon Network, and I I pop up once in a while on there as well. That's a real fun Fantastic. show that you can watch with your whole family. For goodness sakes, awesome! Fantastic. And yeah, and um, and maybe th- I'm sure this will come up later on in the week. But Scott and I are both uh, earnest uh, adventure coteers for what it's worth. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. We'll have to delve into that uh, so at some point in the week. We'll talk about it. We'll find a way to relate. Look, it's a Western. We'll find yeah, a way to true. try it. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute uh, 83. Bye, everybody. Bye.